Hello and welcome to the podcast, A Voice for the Hurting. This is season three, a season dedicated entirely to stories of how God is faithful through the roughest times in our lives. I truly believe that we can gain in faith and hope through other people's stories and testimonies. So pull up a chair, listen closely, and be encouraged by today's story. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce Stephanie Pavlantos, who's going to talk to us today about how God was faithful through her realities as a special needs parent. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you today. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I, um, it's been, uh, it's, it's been a subject that's on my heart and dear to my heart. And so um, getting to speak about it with you, it's um, looking forward to that. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, your son. So when did you find out that he had special needs? Well, it kind of actually, um, it was, well, he's 26 right now. So um, probably about he actually was 20 months old when we took him to a specialist um, orthopedic surgeon because we had concerns about him not being able to walk and he's a twin and his uh, sister was had been walking for two months um, and he had not even I mean to say that he wasn't walking is an understatement. He was crawling and, and the way he was even crawling was like that commando. So he wasn't up on all four, you know, his knees and he was just pulling himself along. And then when we would try to get him up on his feet, he was terrified and he would cry. So we knew something was wrong or we, we worried that he was in pain. So we took him to a specialist at that point. But the interesting thing was um, I was, pregnant with my third child and um and during that time I kept feeling like like something was going to be wrong with him oh and with your uh, next child or with with uh, the third child so with my son Michael and um and I kept praying and praying and and the Lord would ask me questions and say will you still love him uh, okay. And I said, yes, I'll still love him. And he goes, okay, as long as you're willing to love him no matter what. And yeah. so I really thought he was going to be born with a disability. And when he was born, fine, totally normal. You know, I was like, okay, what was that all about? Yeah. And he was born when Matthew was 20 months old. So two months later, we find out that it's Matthew that has the issues. Yeah. And so I, I knew that the Lord was preparing me for something. You know, he was preparing me. And, um, and you know, when we got the diagnosis, basically the, the doctor took a look at him. He was a really... A good man and good doctor. Yeah. He's this big guy. So, you know, we're Greek and or my husband's Greek and and um, but we're all short. And so he was just this tall man that towered over us and um, but kind and gentle. And he just said, I know what's wrong, but let's go get some tests, let's get x-rays, let's get some testing done. And so we're just waiting and waiting. 
And he comes in and he goes, um, well, it was as I suspected. Matthew has several palsy. Yeah. And you can see the tightness. And he took us through the different things that they do. And um, as far as like the stretching and the moving his legs and his arms and showing like, you know, a normal person, how much a normal child that age and the range of movement they should have and the range of movement Matthew had, which was much, much less. And so um, he just said, you know, so immediately, you know, we kind of looked at each other and like, are we really hearing this? And he goes, this is not a death sentence. And he goes, I know plenty of children who are now teenagers or older that started out this way and who, who live full lives. Yes. And so we're like, okay, because you know, things could have been so much worse. I mean, he's, he got started in, Matthew started in physical and occupational therapist or therapy, I should say. And the, the people we came to know through all that were just a godsend, but, but we saw the kids that were in wheelchairs and whose hands were in fists and they couldn't unclench their fists and, and who had trouble speaking and had trouble holding their heads up. I mean, Matthew was not like that, you know, and we had a lot to be thankful for. That yes. It wasn't worse because it could have been worse. And that doesn't so, change how scary it is as a parent, though, correct? Right. It didn't because, because you know, what my husband heard, I knew the, I knew the difference between some of these, but he heard like MD, which, you know, Jerry Lewis telethon, MD, therathon, you know, muscular dystrophy, which those children do die at a young age. And so that's what my husband heard. And he was just, you know, beside himself because it was, he just, this can't be happening. And so once we got in the car, you know, so actually he, he actually, you know, stated something to that, uh, you know, like that with the doctor and the doctor said, Oh no, that's not this. That's not, that's something else. They're both muscular, but one is much different than the other. And as bad as Matthew is, this is the worst he's going to get. He will only get better now because with their surgery, he can get better. Yes. Um, Not totally, but he can improve. Let's put it that way. He can improve. So that's what we, you know, that's what we then left with that. Okay. We're going to do everything we can, whatever it takes to help him. Yeah. And there's hope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. there was a lot of painful surgeries. Um, it's hard. How many surgeries did Matthew have to have? Um, his first one was at four. His last one was at 17. He had two major leg surgeries, uh, three, three leg surgeries and three eye surgeries because Cerebral palsy can affect the eyeballs because the muscles in the eyeballs control the movement of those of your eyes. And since those muscles were affected as well, then they affected the movement of his eyes. So they would try to um, help because he had what was called lazy eye. And and um, but what would happen is when you see a child with an eye that doesn't quite move, the brain will actually shut that eye down and cause it to go blind because it's not working properly. Yes. And so in order to prevent that, 
Um, they do surgery and do different things like patching the eye and whatnot um, to prevent the brain from shutting the eye down. So, um, so he had to have lots of, you know, several surgeries and then um, lots of patching. You know, the doctors we saw, uh, it was my full-time job. I, I didn't work, you yeah, know, sure. because it was just taking care of the kids and, but, you know, going to physical and occupational therapy weekly, the, the doctors, we had doctors for his muscles. We had doctors for his nervous system. We had doctors for his endocrine system. We had doctors for, um, yeah, I can't even think, but even the movement, like a, a doctor who was a, um, uh, I can't even remember the, the title, sorry, but it was more That's like okay. a theology type of doctor, which was uh, more like the movement of the body. And um, so just all different kinds of doctors that we saw. And um, you got to know, you, you got to know people at the hospital. Really well. I bet. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my full time job, though. But besides being a mom, right. being a, you know, just taking them back and forth and. And, you know, and most of the time, I think people don't realize it's very lonely because, you know, it's me and three children and I had this triangular shaped wagon. And so I could put them all. Well, everybody knew me by my wagon. <laughs> 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 I took that wagon everywhere and down the halls of the hospital. I took that wagon throughout the hospital and um, people would see me come in, they'd open doors and stuff. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it's just like, here she comes, all those kids, you know, I <laughs> not really that many, but you know, you had three, I had three under three at one point. So, yeah. you know, so, but they got to know you and they got to know your needs and the needs of your children. And, um, and the, and even to see how good they were with my other two, you know, who didn't have any, you know, who weren't there. Yeah. Medical reasons. And, um, but people got to know them and the office staff and the, you know, um, other, even the other patients that we would see each week, you know, so it was, uh, you know, it was, it was good, but, but you don't, but people just don't realize how, how difficult it is when that's your life going back and forth. And I mean, there are people who, you know, who have long-term illnesses and, you know, all sorts of issues in their life and they know, you know, what it's like to just go back and forth, back and forth to a doctor. And, and, you know, you hope you're never in that situation. You never have to live that way, but, you know, for one reason or another, that's how it happens. And for whatever, you know, whatever the reason is, whatever the cause is, um, it's a, it can be depressing. It can be lonely. So, um, and especially for a mom, you know, a young mom with children, young children. I mean, you know, I'm more sensitive. I became more sensitive to people like that, you know, because of my own situation. And when I would be out somewhere, even in a, even at a park and I'd see a mom struggling, you know, I'd want to go over, just help her, you know, because it's like, I know what that's like. Absolutely. So what would you say to a mom who just recently got a diagnosis, any diagnosis for their child? Oh, I think number one, wouldn't have been able to do it without God in my life. Yeah. So there were many times when um, 
I was ready to scream <laughs> or just, you know, have a meltdown and the Lord. And I would just like, you know, it's almost just like someone would take my shoulders and say, just settle down, sit down. And, um, and of course, you know, and I think it's important, like conversations my husband and I would have. And sometimes I would just be angry with people because they're the way they might treat my child or treat me. And, um, and, you know, men want to fix things. And it, it's kind of like, just have the talk with your husband. Look, there's going to be times I need to vent. And I don't want you to try and fix it. I just need you to listen to me. Yes. And let me cry. Let me be angry. Let me, let me just have my, my meltdown. You know? Yeah. Um, and it, and you don't have to fix it because there's no fixing some things. And, um, you know, there were things that I didn't always like, you know, that my husband and I, I mean, it was hard at times on our marriage. And so I think knowing that going in, like, it's not just about the one child. It's about how it affects your, your other children, how it affects your marriage and even your relationships with other people. I mean, it affected my relationship with my sisters who didn't know what to do and didn't know how to handle this, you know, and, um, and actually my mom, I mean, I had a brother who had cerebral palsy, but who died before I was born. Um, and I mean, you know, and even the effect that it had on her, I had to be more sensitive to my mom because she, I mean, it was like reliving a painful part of her past, you know, and in those days, you know, he was born in 1954. So in those days, they just institutionalized these children. And so I'm getting away from your main question, but I think it's, <laughs> that's okay. It's, it's, it's needing people to hear you and voicing that. I just need you to listen. I know that you can't fix it, yeah. but also looking at other, I mean, the biggest thing, I think the, the best thing we did for Matthew was looking at all four different areas so we looked you know spiritually physically mentally we we approached it not just medically yeah so we approached it through his diet through supplements giving him the best of everything we could give him to help his little body grow stronger yeah and, um and even you know matthew we built him up you know, we never wanted him to feel less than anyone else. And so we really built him up and and made him, wanted him to feel as though he could do anything. Yes, that's right. And so I think, you know, taking care of yourself, taking care of, of your marriage, <laughs> taking care of helping your other children, because there's jealousy you know, between siblings anyway. And then you have one that needs all your attention. Yes. That's just disaster if you let that go. Right. So um, so helping the others, other siblings know and understand what's going on. And then um, and then looking for other ways to help your child besides medically. Not that that's bad because Matthew wouldn't be where he is if it weren't for the doctors in his life. But, but we also did whatever we could in other ways. Um, can you tell my audience what else did work for your son? What else helped him? Um, 
Well, the physical and occupational therapy helped him tremendously. Um, we actually did horseback riding. Yeah. We were told to do that. We just did that because my daughter loved it. So when we started Matthew on the horse, um, he was a little frightened, but it was so good for his body, for his core strength. So his trunk and those muscles in his back and his abdomen, um, helping him stay upright. And it gave him more strength in his in his the core of his body. Um, and again, just like, you know, when we found Matthew started having, you know, asthma and different things like that as a result of, of um, just some of the other issues he had and, um, you know, changing his diet and finding the triggers for his asthma and starting him on um, a good regimen of minerals and vitamins and um, keeping him hydrated. Oh my goodness. Matthew started um, seizures. Whoa. Yeah. And that was very, very scary. Um, and so we found out that one of the reasons for seizures, I mean, I'm not saying it's the only reason there's a whole lot going on in the brain, but one of the, the easiest things you can do is keep your child very hydrated. And yeah, I didn't know that. And when he started, we realized that, uh, and we're not talking just like milk and juices, we're talking about real water without anything else, you know, and, um, and Matthew only drank milk and juice. Now, most people think, okay, well, they're liquids, they're fine, he's getting hydrated, but it's really not the same because of the other stuff that's in them. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of sugar, we, you know, we cut down the sugar in his diet, we, we, had we started watering down all his juice yeah drink his milk but he had to have water throughout the day and so um we started watering down his juice a little at a time just like a fourth you know like one to four and then one to three and then half and half and then we went the opposite direction where it was one quarter juice you know and now i have to tell you i mean the kid doesn't drink juice he only drinks water i mean Good anywhere we go all he drinks is water mm -hmm. and um so we it worked but and um but the, also the lord healed him i mean lots of prayer um and i i'm sure any mother or father that has a special needs or any child <laughs> they're praying but um but you know we had a great church that um would lay hands on matthew and pray over him and um and i just remember this one time Matthew, when I took him up to the altar for prayer and, and like I said, it was just the kind of church they would come down. And if, if you wanted prayer, then whoever wanted to come up and pray with you, they did. So I turned around, there was half the church was behind me. Wonderful. Just praying over Matthew's seizures. And, yeah. and, um, and that was the last time he ever had a seizure. The Lord healed him. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and then later on, he developed um, growth. He was, uh, his growth was stunted. And um, so at 12, we, we realized that um, it was actually taking him to the doctor for his seizures that that doctor said, you know, your child's very, very tiny and he should be bigger. Let's get him, just, you know, an endocrinologist to see what's going on with his growth hormones. So that was the next thing. And it was like, as, as, as small as that sound, it was just like the last straw for me. I just had 
like a total meltdown. I'm just yeah. like, do one more thing. And but having a support group in my church that was just like, it's okay. You know, I'm like, I'm seeing so stupid. I'm crying over growth hormone, you know. And that's and, stupid though. Yeah. Well, and especially when your mother's heart is yeah. already hurting and you add one more thing. Yeah. And that's what it was. It was just like one more thing. And and to anybody who didn't really understand, it was like, I think there'd be worse things to cry over. And it's like, oh, but you know, he's gone through so much. Now I have to give him shots in his belly. Yeah. You know, big shots that were scary to him and painful, you know. And so it's like one more thing. You know, he had Botox in his legs because um just like people use Botox for their face. Um, it freezes the muscles. It, 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 it allows the muscles to be worked with actually in the legs. And um, so it, it allows more um, stretchiness for the, um, for the muscles so that when they give him the Botox in those areas where the muscles connect to the bone and muscles connect to each other, um, it allows them to pull and, and work those muscles better in therapy. And, um, but these, those shots were terrible. They were painful. And we finally had to, you know, they would say, you know, mom, we need you to hold them down. It's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Not what you want to do. And so finally we got to the point. It's like, I'm not holding my child down. You're just gonna right. You're going to knock him out. So he doesn't have to go through this. Right. You know? But it's being that advocate for your own child and saying, no, I don't care. You know, no, he's you're not doing this to him without doing something for the pain, you know, knocking him out. So he doesn't have to keep going through this. And, um, and that's what they ended up doing, you know. So that was so much better, so much easier on him and me. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, I bet. You know, so, you know, my husband had a hard job and he, um, he, we owned our own business at that time and he wasn't able just to leave and, and go with me to every doctor's appointment. And I mean, if you have that, if you have, you know, a spouse that is able to do that, that's, that is wonderful. Or, or even a mother, you know, or sister that is able to go with you to these appointments and be a support system to you. Um, I would highly recommend that, but, you know, don't, don't try to do it all alone. Just don't. It's just, it'll wear you out physically, mentally, spiritually. It'll wear you out. And you need the support system in whatever way you can get it, you know, especially, I mean, we didn't know anybody else at that time other than my own mother who had a special needs child. And, you know, um, and so it was just lonely and people didn't understand. And so finding somebody who will either just be there for you or who understands what you're going through um, is ideal and is much needed. So don't try to do it all alone. That's one thing that God has been impressing upon me recently is that we have a problem with receiving help. Uh, Most of us want to help others, you know, but when it comes to needing help ourselves, we don't want to ask. We don't want to, be the one that needs to receive, but all of Christianity is based on our need to receive because we can't save ourselves. Right. And yeah. And 
we have to be willing to receive because none of us have perfect lives where we never go through hard times. Right. You know? Right. And finding those people that love us enough to walk alongside us is a mm. blessing. Yes. Yeah. Having a good church that is supportive and, and, you know, um, when we first, when the, the twins were premature. And so when, when um, they were in the hospital for 10 weeks after they were born and um, because they were born at 27 weeks along. So they were very tiny and they were both just um, under two pounds. Wow. And um, yeah, well, they were, they were, you know, they were just at two pounds when they were born, but then of course all babies lose weight. And so then they, they went under two pounds, which was really tiny. So, um, but you know, having the church come and say, what can we do? Can we clean your house? Can we cook for you? Can, what can we do? You know, cause I lived in the hospital, you know? So, um, yeah, but it was, it was sad because it was sad in going to the hospital and almost being the only parent there in a NICU full of babies. Wow. Yeah. It was sad. There were so many parents who couldn't be there. Right. for their babies you know they had to work or they were single mom with children at home you know I mean it was really sad it was really hard to see um there's so much so many people need help <laughs> you know and when you hear I mean when I hear about a somebody having a premature baby my heart goes out to them right away because I know it's just going to be so hard and you just want to help in any way you know but people don't but you don't know I mean I remember my sister just kind of making we were pregnant at the same time but she was due in July and I was due in October and when I ended up having my twins before she had her baby she kind of just jokingly said oh you brat you just had to have your baby first (laughs) and and it was a joke on her part but on my part it was like no you don't understand painful yeah I wish they were still inside of me yeah you know they're they're struggling to survive (laughs) you know so and where she didn't mean that in a bad way it was she didn't understand what I was going through Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until she came up I think she may have she lived out of town so she lived out of state but she came up for maybe Labor Day or something but when she did, um, she went to the hospital with me to see the babies. And then she just, her heart sank because she was like, I had no idea. They were so tiny. She didn't realize yeah. your reality. Yeah. 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 And um, so it was, it was, you know, just, you don't know. You don't know. You can't know until you've been there. Right. So don't take things for granted. You know, I would, that's. I think number one, if I had to give, and you didn't ask me, but you know, but I've been asked before, what kind of advice would you give to people who don't know, don't understand, or not been in that situation? And it's like, don't take for granted, you know, anything, you know, that you know, anything that they're going through. Don't take that for granted. Ask questions, you know, ask what's wrong, ask how you can help. And, and if they don't want to accept it, just tell them, this is what I'm going to do for you. And, you know, and also it's like, it was like, go to their house, you know, because when you have a child with special needs, even children with autism, they're more comfortable in their own setting. 
because yeah. they know how to get around. They know where they can go, where they can't go, what's what might hurt them, what won't hurt them. You know, it's so much easier. Go to their home, visit with them there. Yeah. Don't expect a mom with special needs child or children to come to you yeah. to do all the driving because it's hard putting getting everything you need for that child. You know, Matthew had a walker. I had to watch him not to bang things. I mean, our house was banged up from his little walker, but, but, you know, we repaired it all once he was walking on his own, but, you know, you take this little walker to somebody else's house and all I do is what is follow him around. Yeah. So that he's not going to bang into their walls or bang into their pretty glass table, <laughs> you know, and chip or break something. So yeah. that was that was hard. I couldn't relax in that situation. And um, so it would have been much easier for people to come here. But, you know, like, you know, people don't understand that. They don't understand that little thing that makes a difference. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, actually, um, I did an interview once and um, a woman that I knew but didn't know well saw the interview and she contacted me after the interview. She goes, you know, I have a child with uh, Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I didn't realize how much we had in common and how listening to you, I realized, oh my goodness, that was me. That was yeah. all me. Because her child's in quite older, uh, 25 years older than my child. So she, so she had already been through everything I had gone through and talked about. And, um, but, you know, we sat down and we, we started talking about writing our stories. And, and then we, we said, I bet there's lots of people that have the same kinds of stories. And so we started searching for other people and putting it on Facebook. If you're a special needs parent, you know, we'd like to hear your story. So we've put all these stories into a book. And um, so, yeah, so it's called Room at the Table because in Samuel, David wants to do something for one of Jonathan's, for Jonathan's son. Or I think in this case, it's his grandson. But um, his grandson doesn't walk well. He's lame in both feet, the Bible says. And so, um, but he tells him that he will take care of him for the rest of his life and he will always have a place at the table. Yeah. And um, so we called the book Room at the Table, um, encouraging stories from families with special needs. And um, so we're, we're looking, we've actually finished the manuscript and um, we might have a publisher. We have Wonderful. one interested. So, um, so it's been a work, um, labor of love. And, and I mean, even reading all these other stories from all these other parents, I mean, Star is my, um, we're we're co-authoring the book Star Airs. And so we sit there and we read them to each other to edit them and stuff, you know, hear them read. Oh, there's times I can't even get through the story without crying. Oh, I bet. Yes. And because it's just, there's such touching stories and you never know because I mean, as, as hard as we thought it was with Matthew, like I said, there were people who have it much worse and who had, who had, medically frail children, you know, that, um, and children that they can't leave for a minute. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was fortunate, you know, I could, I could put the kids, you know, in front of a a good show or whatever and, and get some work done or get some baking done or, 
or even take a nap when they were a little older on the couch, you know, I mean, there's mothers who can't do that. You know, their child requires 24 seven care. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, they need prayer and they need understanding and, you know, it's just, it's just, you just never know until you walk in their shoes, what it's going to be like. Right. So. so how did you see God's faithfulness through it all? Um, oh boy. Well, we saw so many, in so many ways, um, even from, you know, I remember after we got the diagnosis, just a few women came over from the church and we were talking and, and uh, the one, the woman who had come over had um, a special needs son. He was, he actually had been in a terrible accident, and had brain damage, and so he was, he was now um, nonverbal and in a wheelchair. And and just listening, you know, she was she was really just a godsend. The way that she was able to give me advice and help me, and tell me things I didn't even know I was going to need, you know, and about respite care, you know, there's, there's people out there, there's county programs and state programs that offer respite care to pay parents that have special needs children. And uh, we qualified. So we had, we were able to have somebody come to our house once a week Wonderful. and give us five hours away. That's you know? great. We had five hours on a Tuesday evening where we could go and do whatever we wanted. And somebody was taking care of. Now this lady was Probably a huge blessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. She would actually, she goes, I'll take care of all three. I don't mind. Because they're really only paid to take care of the one child. Yeah. But, but they would always offer, they'll take care of them all. And so, um, and that went on from the time he was three or so until the time he was 17. Like, until it was ridiculous, he didn't need it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he's like mom I don't need somebody here to take care of me anymore so, and um but it also was a but it was also part of his um the program in which took care of his medical needs and so it was almost like if he outgrew that then he outgrew this part that's the only downside because once he outgrew that he lost those benefits that included other things because he didn't need care anymore which isn't a bad thing right it's a good thing that he he grew up enough and was able to be more independent yes. um, that's definitely a good thing but in in the state way of taking care of health care you know he was he didn't need he didn't need he still had the same diagnosis so but he didn't need respite care anymore so and because he didn't need respite care he didn't need everything that went along with that so we lost he lost um, some of his uh, benefits for being healthy. And, you know, um, but anyway, he, uh, and then just other, but, but it was still godsend for those seven, for those uh, 15 years of having somebody come to our house and help us and be able to trust that person. And, you know, um, other ways, you know, there was a time in the NICU. I mean, it was, it was stressful. Yeah. And why I didn't like lose like, you know, 50 pounds, I don't know, because I, I hardly ate. I hardly, um, it was only God keeping me going. Um, I wasn't, I couldn't eat much because it just, I sat with the babies all day long in the NICU. 
And, um, but my milk never faltered. My milk was always in, even though my diet was terrible. Yeah. And, um, and when they would, you know, struggle to breathe or they would, you know, they had so many issues. It'd take a whole nother po- podcast to describe everything that just happened in those 10 weeks in the NICU, but they both had near death issues, you know, times and, um, and watching, you know, watching a nurse bagging your son to get him to breathe. Oh, you know, um, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there watching, praying and, and um, just ready to scream, just ready to scream across the room for somebody to help my child. Yeah. And, um, and the Lord just, it was like, he just came up behind me and just, and literally I just felt myself sitting down and it was like his hands were on me and just giving me peace and the words that came to my heart and my mind were he's going home with you yes amen that's all i needed yes a bit of assurance this is not the end what i'm watching here is not the end yes so best is yet to come yeah so there were many times and he healed him from his um from his seizures and um you know i believe in everything that we did in getting him hydrated getting him um but but in the end it was still the lord that healed him he had the final say and um and i remember just kneeling there at the at the altar with my son with half the church behind us praying and the lord just saying he's healed yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> and um, it was just, it was that simple. It was just those little, those three words he's healed, you know, and that was all I needed. And it was true. He was, he never had another seizure. Amazing. After that. And, um, you know, so many, and just, just so many things. I mean, the Lord helping in our, you know, in our marriage, helping us, um, where we were hurting and where our children were hurting. Yeah. Just, just very faithful. <laughs> and couldn't have done it if he hadn't been in our life. So. Amen. That's okay. Are there any verses that kept you strong or gave you hope? Oh, honestly, there wasn't just one. Um, I'm actually a, I'm a Bible teacher. I'm a Bible. It's, I study and and read scripture. I mean, and study scripture and teach it. And um, and I've written other Bible studies just because I so enjoy getting people into scripture. And 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 I think it's more just how many ways the Lord has revealed Himself. Yes. To me through scripture and showing me um, if I have time. I don't want to that there was a story um, that I wrote called Lord help my unbelief because in Mark, there's a, there's a father who needs his son um, healed of the demons that possess him. And the Lord um, Jesus is talking to his father and his father says, um, if Lord, if you can heal my son and Jesus just turns and says, if I can, like, yeah. you don't know who I am. Yeah. And 
And he goes, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And that's so contradictory in our language. But when you look at it, what he was saying, because what I've studied about it and, and how it would have been said to Jesus, the man was saying, I do believe, but my priorities are my son. That's my son. And my priorities are out of whack because he's here and you're down here below him. And I'm sorry. Yeah. But this is the best I can do. You know, I can't think about anything but my child. And we all know that we've all been in a situation where that's been the case, whether it's through disability or illness or, you know, um, wayward child, you know, I mean, we all have had a time if you have children (laughs) where, Lord, I don't even know how to pray for them. I don't know what to ask you because my son is the only thing I can think about right now, my child. And this man in the Bible is no different. And but the Lord didn't scold him. Lord didn't punish him. The Lord healed his child, you know, and it's like, it's okay. He still understands. And I know that story just got to me so much because all the times that my faith and my trust faltered, the Lord still said, it's okay. Yes. I can still help your child, regardless of how you feel right now. I, I am good. And I can help you. And that was everything. So, you know. It's beautiful. Yeah, so many good things that we can take from scripture to see that we are that person. (laughs) You know, there's so many stories. And I think that's why there's so many stories in the Bible. Because we can identify with those people and their lack of faith or their, you know, my child's more important than you are right now. So I don't know what to do. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just that, that that's probably the thing that impacted me the most. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say to my audience? Oh, just be kind, be gentle. Um, if you don't know what to say to people who are hurting, you know, any hurt, don't say anything, just give them a hug, you know, or just pray right there. You know, I think one of the things I've learned is uh, telling people, I will pray for you. is just say, I'm going to pray for you right now. Yes. You know, let me just pray right here, right now. And, and if you don't know this thing to say, Jesus does. And just yes. let him just say, you know, exactly what needs to be said right now. You know, the pain that needs to be healed, the comfort that needs, needs to be given, the peace that needs to be given, and do what needs to be done. You know, um, we don't know. We don't know. And that's why the Spirit speaks for us. But all we can do is just be obedient and be a mouthpiece for Him, you know? So I would just say, you know, it's the little things, and don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, you don't have to be intimidated by a child that has special needs. Just ask questions because you know what? That mom or that dad, they're going to tell you everything and more than you wanted to know about their child. 
because it'll also tell you all the talents and all the things that they have found are so special about that child, even though they may have this going on over here. This is their heart, you know, it may be something you don't even see, but if you ask, they'll tell you. Yeah. Communication. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you so very much for talking with me today. Thank you. I really feel like this is going to bless a lot of people. I hope so. And I hope it, especially those who may know somebody who has a special needs child or, or even spouse, you know, maybe a spouse that's struggling, you know, just, just to know how to maybe pray or talk to them. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to A Voice for the Hurting. You can find information on today's guest in the description below, plus links to follow A Voice for the Hurting on Facebook and Instagram. Join us next week for more inspiring stories to strengthen you on your journey.